Hi, I'm Alexia Russell, and this is not a motor racing podcast. Scott Dixon is on the track right now. That number nine PNC is winding up. Here we go. Okay, it's sounding like a motor racing podcast, but just bear with me. Scott Dixon. He's been on the pole before. Scott Dixon, New Zealand motor racing hero in a country that seems to breed them. But Sunday at the Indianapolis 500 just wasn't his race. When he won the championship for the sixth time. Today's talk ZB Sport. Helio Castroneves is a four-time Indianapolis 500 winner at the Brickyard, earning another traditional quart of milk. Elsewhere, pole sitter Scott Dixon's finished 17th and Scott McLaughlin 20th after making errors during the race. He came in as a leader, but now he's going to clearly lose a lap right here. Yeah, but it's how it goes, you know. I think the frustrating part was that it just came so early. You know, you knew kind of from that point once you're a lap down, you know, your day's pretty much shot. So I had a long time to calm down. Calming down is something Dixon is really good at. But how does he stay calm when he's hurtling down the track at nearly 400 kilometres an hour? Today on The Detail, we talk to a man who's looked into the minds of Dixon and people like him and who sheds some light on what makes the more adventurous among us tick. Dr Kenneth Carter is a professor of psychology at Oxford College of Emory University in the US. And I study thrill seekers. The result of his latest work is an NBC Sports web series called The Mind of a Motorhead. It's based on something he calls the sensation-seeking survey. So we studied some of our favourite race car drivers and motorcycle racers in hopes to discover the secret to their success. Scott Dixon is a six-time IndyCar champion and winner of the legendary Indy 500. I asked him a series of questions that measure his thrill-seeking personality, and I found the results to be as interesting as he was. Why did you choose him to be first? Was there something special about him? Well, first of all, he was he was really um, personable, really great to interact with. And I think he also understood his own personality really well and understood how his personality can help him on the track. And so, um, you know, he was getting ready to race pretty soon. So we thought it'd be great to feature him uh, when he was going to be racing, even though he had a cold. Dixon grabs his fourth Indianapolis 500 pole position. And Whitefellow loves it. Yeah, pole position with a cold in one of the most uh, prestigious races there is. Uh, you know, is that an insight into a, a very clear thinking mind? Yeah. And so one of the things that I've been finding fascinating about people that psychologists call high sensation seekers, these are kind of everyday people call them thrill seekers, is that they have different kinds of personalities that allow them to be very focused, even in highly chaotic situations. He's like a surgeon in the car. He's just making the changes. Everything's calm. The wheel is steady. Like I can't even imagine all of the things that you have to do, because it's not like driving a car, right? In, you know, in, in, the, in the midst of all this chaos, but the people who are these high sensation seekers are able to focus in. And um, even when they are maybe have a cold or not feeling well, but, but to be able to do their best in those situations. Yeah, it was, uh, it's so easy to kind of, you know, get yourself out of sorts, you know, and think that, you know, the conditions are just going to make it worse. But, you know, you really just got to go out there and feel it out. And he was definitely 
one of those individuals with that kind of personality trait. So I've seen you quoted as saying you believe that chaos and intensity are his secret weapons. Can you explain that to me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so so I am not a high sensation seeker. I am born to be mild. It's true. <laughs> and so if I get put into uh, chaotic situations where there's a lot of stuff going on, I just sort of fall apart. But for some reason, and there's some chemicals in the body that can account for this, people like Scott that are these high sensation seekers, they can stay really focused even in chaotic situations. And I think that's one of the things that's kind of an advantage for him. Do you think he was born with that or is it something that you develop? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple different things. I mean, we think about 60 to 70% of sensation seeking is genetic. And so there's some things that are born, he might be born with. But I also think the training that he does is a really important piece of it, too. He also talks about the difference between what he calls racing mode and his regular life. So how he lives in his regular life isn't when he is as focused as he might be on the track. Yeah, I think racing mode, uh, I get quite consumed by it. Um, and I think sometimes it gets taken as, um, you know, maybe I'm not the most friendliest person, but uh, it's it's more that I'm consumed in what I'm thinking about, you know. So, and, and, and you know, I think, honestly, what, what really helped me with breaking out of that, because, you know, when I was, in, uh, you know, younger and, and single, you know, I would come home and that would consume me as well. But having, uh, you know, my wife and then our you know, our family and our kids, that brought a totally different dynamic uh, to racing mode and, and snapping out of it. So like he comes home and lets his defenses down kind of thing? Yeah, but he did say that he, he can't stay on vacation for more than two weeks where he gets too bored and wants to get back to doing stuff. You know, there's periods of times where I like to relax. I like to go on, you know, our anniversary and, and, you know, sit back and I'm very good at sitting down and being on a beach maybe for four days and chilling out. But then four days seven days a holiday for two weeks i'm not sure i could i could do a holiday for two weeks you know seven days is kind of 10 days is kind of my limit i think i could stay on vacation for longer than two weeks <laughs> now interesting you said bored because your work in sensation seeking measurement boredom susceptibility is one of the factors can you run me through that sort of measurement and what you look for yeah, there's four components all together, and the test is actually pretty short, so you can take it on my website, and you can compare yourself to Scott's scores or the other scores of the athletes, but there's four different um, subscales. Um, there's a total score that goes from zero to 40. Then there are four subscales include thrill and adventure seeking. These are people that score high, that love bungee jumping or roller coasters or exciting, thrilling things. Um, then there's experience seeking. This is sensations of the mind and of the senses. It could be unusual foods or travel or just meeting unusual people. Um, and then last two scores tell me how much trouble you might get yourself into with your thrill seeking. This includes boredom susceptibility, how easy it is for you to get bored and how irritated you get when you get bored. And the last one's called disinhibition. This is basically how, how, uninhibited and wild you are versus being needing to plan things out all the time. So each of the subscales go up to 10 points since you can get up to 40 points altogether. Uh, I, like I mentioned before, I scored an eight and Scott store scored a 27 out of 40. So not told like high, 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 but relatively high on, on many of the different subscales. So does his score, I'm interested that it's not near the 40 end of the scale, 
does his score indicate that he has kind of mental breaks on his thrill-seeking? Yeah, you kind of, you know, 40 can be tough because 40 means that you, it's it's hard. You can't focus very well. You 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 um, need something new all the time. But he ha- but he talked a lot about the importance of routine for him, um, making sure that you know you know he understands things that are that's going to be on the track. He wants to look ahead. If there's some new equipment, he wants to study it. I wouldn't say I get bored easy. I do I do like routine. Um... You know, especially when it becomes to, you know, training and, you know, I'm very much about eating breakfast at, you know, 7.30, lunch at 12. If if lunch is late and it's at 1, I get quite mad, you know. So, you know, there are there are things where I do like a very structured, uh, you know, situation. There needs to be a certain amount of predictability to be to, to do well in certain kinds of sports. And he's been able to sort of figure out the things that need to be predictable. So interestingly, the things that are likely to get him into trouble, like getting bored easily and being uninhibited are a little bit lower, but his experience seeking and thrill and adventure seeking are high, which allows him to be calm in the midst of the chaos. So he's got a great combination of those traits to do really well. So when you say he needs to be in a routine. Are you talking about his like sort of almost superstitions on the racetrack, or are you talking about when he comes home and needs his meals at the right time? Um, I think it's partially like the training that he does for the race. You know, making sure he's not going to make a, a rash decision at the last moment that's not sort of planned out. You know, I like to understand what I'm getting into. You know, whether it's a uh, you know a new formula, or a new category, or a new track. You know, I like to do a lot of prep work. You know, whether it's planning, you know, simulation tests, or a lot of uh, videos to watch where the circuit goes. You know, that that's just for example. So yeah, I, I definitely I definitely wouldn't be one to jump into a completely unknown. I would I would uh, definitely research and, and find out uh, you know the, the points that I need to understand for sure. And so I think for all athletes, the training that they do in order to do well requires certain discipline. And I think having that disinhibition being in the middle, the six out of 10, makes those things easier for him. And so um, so making sure his meals are planned out, he has this partly predictable kind of life, helps him to maximize um, himself in terms of his sport. Um, he also talked about in terms of the experience seeking, um, liking to try different foods. He said he would try anything once. Um, and he also likes to get his kids to try different things as well. So I think it's really part of his lifestyle. It's bringing up little thrill seekers. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so we, we asked you asked before about whether or not it's genetic or environmental. We do know that that kids that have these uh, uh, environments that they grow up in that are sort of diverse with lots of different kinds of experiences are more likely to have high sensation seekers. So we'd be high sensation seekers. So you're right. He may be sort of bringing up little thrill seekers himself. So give us an insight into his mind. I mean, he is taking these curves at hundreds of kilometers an hour. Scott Dixon records the fastest speed in over 20 years. They have got the pull. I've married a guy that unless he's going really fast, he doesn't feel alive. He feels euphoric when he's chancing death. What is going through his brain at that stage? You know, a lot of these high sensation seekers say that time really slows down for them and they are 
also trusting their body to know what to do. You know, we, we think about them as being adrenaline junkies, but they're, they're really not. Adrenaline, I, I talked to one guy who was an ice climber, first guy to climb up, um, you know, a, you know one, a huge frozen waterfall. He said that adrenaline is a lousy drug. It just gets you all pumped up. It, makes, it helps you make bad decisions. You want to be focused and pay attention when you're in these situations. So I think what, he, what he's experiencing is... Um, focus and calmness in those situations. When he talked about bungee jumping, he said, trust me, when you do a bungee jump, you know, the hardest thing is actually stepping off, but it's it, the, the thrill for me is actually feeling the bungee actually taking tension and that you start going back the other way. You know, what kind of runs through my mind before I do something like that is, is this going to be it? And some people maybe wouldn't take that step off or whatever but you know to me it actually it feels uh, it feels nice when it when it works out and so he is focused enough that he can pay attention to what's going on and that's part of the magic that his body is doing to, that makes him successful so do you think it, the mind could be trained to as you say slow down in high pressure situations I think there's some things that you could do, right? And so there's this concept in psychology um, called habituation. It means the more that you do something, the less power it has over you. So if you watch a scary movie once, it can be really scary. But if you watch it a hundred times, it's not as scary as the first time. And so if if people, someone like me that's an eight, if I did the same things over and over again, I might not be as scared but I'm not going to have the same kind of control and pleasure as a, a natural thrill seeker might I just don't have the hardware to run that program. You know, my brain is, you know, really stressed out when I'm in those situations. Um, but high sensation seekers like Scott have high amounts of a neurotransmitter called dopamine. That's that pleasure neurotransmitter as well as lower amounts of cortisol. So he's not as stressed out in those situations. That's what helps Helps him to be calm in the midst of those chaotic situations. He has chemicals in his brain that are helping him. So this is the difference between the one who says, I've got to do that again, and the one who says, I did that once, that's enough. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so the, the, a lot of the high sensation seekers, they feel lots of pleasure and not stressed out. And some of them, you know, want, want to move on to something new. Others will just do the same thing over and over again, but find sort of the nuances in the, the each time they do it. I mean, I started off sort of researching these thrill seekers, thinking that they were these sort of, you know, wild adrenaline junkies. And I discovered that they, there's something magical about the way their brains work. And it's kind of cool. So I know you've spoken to a lot of adrenaline junkies, as you say. What other kind of occupations <laughs> would suit this type of personality? All sorts of things. I mean, a lot of the high sensation seekers have careers that where they use their high sensation seeking as part of their careers, like Scott, or maybe even like first responders or like ER nurses and doctors uh, are more likely to have high sensation seeking personalities than average or low sensation seekers. Um, but a lot of them just do those kinds of things for um, their for their recreation. These are the people that are rock climbing or going on high lines or those kinds of things. And so, but there are certain careers that kind of demand it. You know, I would be a terrible ER doctor uh, because I might get overwhelmed in those situations. I talked to an ER nurse who decided to 
change from that to go into primary care. It was just too boring for her. She needed some of that chaos to help her focus pretty well. And if you could pick these people from an early age, you know, apply your tests to younger children perhaps, would there be an advantage in that? Would you be able to sort of pick the people who, you know, you would suggest to them, okay, you're going to be a fire person, you're really suited towards motor racing. (laughs) Would it be an interesting pointer to what you could end up doing? Yeah, it could be. I mean, it might really help people to sort of pick careers or sort of understand. But what what it's done more than anything is the thing that I've been hoping it would, would do, which is help people to understand themselves a little bit better, but also to help people like me that are not these thrill seekers understand that the thrill seekers in terms of why they do the things they do. Um, I, you know, one of the emails I love to get is the one that says, Oh my gosh, I I looked at your, at your materials. I read your book and it helped me to understand my son or daughter in a way that I didn't before. I was trying to get them to stop doing these things because they seem so dangerous. But now I understand that being a thrill seeker is not just the thing the person does. It's sort of who they are as a person. Um, and and I, I love helping people to understand themselves and other people better, which is why I started to, to work on this project. And I think we'll also find out about, you know, the different uh, motorsports people like Scott in terms of uh, how they utilize their personality uh, for these kinds of things. I think we think that they just sort of do it, but we don't realize how much goes into it. Racers like Scott, they're athletes. They use their physical as well as their mental abilities. And part of that mental ability for Scott is is, high, is being a high sensation seeker or thrill seeker. Um, but they're also these really good athletes. They train, they practice, um, and, uh, and but being a, a thrill seeker or a high sensation seeker, like I said before, is not just what a person does. It's sort of who they are as a person. Um, and to me, it's sort of a neat thing to to um, to get to learn. And I mean, I guess too, if you've got someone who goes from job to job and job, and they're constantly bored, you know, you, you might say to them, well, you're not getting enough excitement in these current series of occupations. You need to move over into something that really challenges you. Absolutely. Or um, you know, sort of crank up the chaos in your in <laughs> your uh, in your off time, right? Three, two, one, bungee! During this pandemic, a lot of people have been having a struggle because we've been at home more and not able to to, to go out as much. Uh, and they're sort of realizing sort of what they miss with that, you know. And so, um, you know, helping people to find the right sort of balance of chaos and predictability is sort of a tough thing. You know, I, I love, a pre- I mean, I have a very predictable job. I'm a college professor. I, I can tell you when my spring break is going to be five years from now. Um, but other people don't like that kind of thing. They want every day to be completely different and completely unpredictable. And, to, and I say, that's great. That, that's what they should do. So in that respect, being self-aware, like you say, Scott Dixon is, is a big advantage. Absolutely. Knowing what you do well and knowing what's a challenge for you. You know, we, we, you know, people sometimes say that it's important to play to your strengths, but if you don't know what your strengths are, you can't play to them. And I think Scott sort of understood how his personality was really helpful and gives him that advantage. And I think a lot of the, um, you know, most successful athletes uh, understand that they, there's this combination of control, predictability, but also just going out there and trusting yourself. And I think those that can do that are probably some of the more successful ones. 
did you find that any particular combination was a predictor of success? Yeah, I know. I think that what I've, what I've been finding is that early on in, in people's careers, they sort of focus in on just going out there, doing it, sort of being that sort of uh, chaos junkie, high adrenaline person. And then the longer they are in that, they want to pull back on that a little bit so that they're, they're not just relying on adrenaline to do well, but they need that focus in order to sort of push themselves to the next level. So they can't just kind of dive into it without thinking about the consequences, conquer their kind of need for adrenaline. Yes, absolutely. You know, I think someone said, and maybe it was Scott. No, you're never going to win a championship by being, you know, crashing your way there or being the fastest car on the track every weekend. You know, it's it's about a lot about it. A lot of it is about planning and, and putting in the hard work and, and really understanding what you're getting yourself into. And then having accidents and things like that becomes less of what you think about. You know, what you constantly engage yourself in is the competitiveness. It's not just who's the craziest. It's uh, a little bit of crazy and then working through the process. So, yeah, it, it's a fun combo. You have to be smart in terms of the things that you're doing. And in order to be smart and to be um, uh, strategic, you have to have access to your whole brain so that you can do those things to do well. So these guys are also highly intelligent. They're not just um, instinctive with their driving. I, I would say absolutely. I mean, they have to have emotional intelligence, all different kinds of intelligence to be able to do well. It's not just about being the fastest. You've given me so much to kind of con- kind of think about, you know, and, and, you know, obviously some of it I knew. Um, I think, you know, the biggest thing for me is seeing, you know, how others compare, which, you know, I'm, I'm obviously going <laughs> to tune into that and, and can't wait to see it. So I'm looking forward to, to watching and, and understanding how other people process what they do and, you know, why they're so good. And Dixon's loss yesterday bumps him down to second on the IndyCar Series standings. He's still in a good position to win his seventh overall title. That's all for today. Thanks to Dr. Kenneth Carter. Rangi Poak engineered this episode and Emil Donovan produced it. The detail is a newsroom production for RNZ made possible by New Zealand On Air. We're on all the usual podcast platforms. Hit subscribe and get a new episode downloaded every weekday. If you're an Apple user, please give us a rating. It helps others to find us. You can also listen on the RNZ, Newsroom or Stuff websites. Thanks for joining me, Alexia Russell, on this podcast that was not just all about motor racing. 